This holiday season, get ready for an abundance of holiday films that make you forget that the world is utter shit. Because I Love You is the new smash holiday movie coming this Thanksgiving. Joy is a generic cis, straight, white, big city lawyer. When she finds out that her third cousin removed tragically died and left her their family's holiday store, Joy must return to her hometown called Small Town in order to sell the store. The Big Apple has made me unemotional and unempathetic. I'm a borderline psychopath. I'm about business now. Numbers, sales, more numbers. I'm on the go. I eat gogurt. I love money. I have a ridiculous amount of hair extensions. And I don't have time for holiday spirit. Wait, Kyle? Is that you? The once nerdy guy I went to high school with, but now is a hot, muscular, burly man who works at the hospital and volunteers at the orphanage that you saved from that fire? Well, hello there. It's me, Kyle. I used to have 12 pimples, and now I have 12 abs. I need to ask Jerry about you. He's the store's manager, and the only person of color in this small town. I bet he'll have perfect advice for me, and I'll get to learn about him and his life. As it turns out, we did not get to learn about Jerry. When Joy struggles to sell the store, she throws a big holiday party in order to exploit the small town and create some buzz around the store. But her festivities come to a screeching halt when she finds out that she's pregnant with a reindeer. Now with the holiday spirit literally inside her, Joy confesses her pregnancy to Kyle, but is shocked when he has a confession for her. Kyle? Is Santa Claus? You see, Kyle, aka Hot Santa, knowing Joy was pregnant with a reindeer, arranged for Joy's third cousin removed to be murdered. He forged a fake will, and with the help of some holiday magic, manipulated Joy and is now going to marry her in order to get that reindeer so he can save the holidays. Will Joy marry the murdering Santa and save the holiday season? Find out this Thanksgiving on Mulhark. Because I love you. I'm 27. Remember Vine, anyone? Welcome to episode 27 of Have a Blessed Gay, your spiritual comedy podcast. I am your holy host, Tyler Martin. Happy Thanksgiving week. Gobble, gobble, bitch. Ready to gorge yourself on delicious food and not give any fucks? I am. This is my first Thanksgiving as a vegan, though, so I'm going to be trying some alternative recipes. Please cross your fingers for me, or actually, even better, if you have any amazing Thanksgiving vegan recipes, send them my way. Thank you to everyone who has subscribed, followed, rated, left reviews, and to those who have reached out to me. It is so incredible to be a part of such an inclusive and uplifting community. A community eager to ask questions, explore, and learn about others, and ultimately, ourselves. I'm thrilled to keep this beautiful community growing, so keep sharing and spreading your love. We actually have several new listeners that have joined the spiritual journey in the past week. It has been quite a fun week, not only because I bought an air fryer, which is super cool, but also because Have a Blessed Gay was listed as Stitcher's top podcast pick of the week and listed as their top indie pod pick. What? I work super hard on this show, so moments like that feel pretty damn fantastic. A huge thank you to Stitcher, a platform that I absolutely adore, and a huge welcome to all the lovely people who clicked on a random, super queer, spiritual comedy podcast on Stitcher's Discover page. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe or follow and head on over to haveablessgay.com to check out all the goodies there, including the B-word. 
a vertical with articles written by spiritual badasses who are daring to be different, questioning the norm, and making the world a slightly less shitty place. This holiday season feels weird, right? Probably partially to do with the fact that we're in a pandemic. I don't know, maybe that's it. The holidays can already be extraordinarily stressful though, not even in a pandemic, especially for the LGBTQ community. Those who have been turned away by family or those who are still allowed to attend family events but must endure awkwardness, judgment, or even worse, shitty green bean casserole you feel obligated to eat. So although there is sadness about losing some traditions this year, I know a lot of people are kind of relieved. After all, a pandemic is a rather perfect excuse not to attend. So for people who struggle with the holidays, this year actually might be a breath of fresh air. I am really stoked for today's guest, Denise Ager, an incredible activist, author, proud lesbian, and inspiring rabbi. Throughout her rabbinical career, she has worked extensively to include and uplift the LGBTQ community. She has worked tirelessly with and for people with AIDS. She was the first openly LGBTQ president of the Central Conference of American Rabbis, which is the largest organization of rabbis in the world. She's also the past president of the Southern California Board of Rabbis, being the first woman and openly gay person to do that, and the past president of the Pacific Association of Reform Rabbis. She really loves being a president, I guess. But get this. She officiated the very first U.S. same-sex marriage in L.A. County in 2008. Isn't that so freaking cool? She has done way more activism work than I have time to tell you about it, so I suggest just looking her up sometime. What we primarily discussed was her groundbreaking new book, Mishkan Ga'ava, Where Pride Dwells, a celebration of the LGBTQ plus Jewish life and ritual. It is an absolutely gorgeous book filled with prayers, rituals, history, and traditions that actually include the LGBTQ plus community. And I really want to just take a moment to acknowledge how amazing that is. There is no other religious denomination that has published a book of queer prayers as part of its primary liturgy. That's huge. And you know, this year we have the Pope affirming civil unions between same-sex couples. We have the first queer Hallmark holiday movie. We have the first queer mainstream holiday movie also coming out. And although those things sound wonderful, and it is so great to be acknowledged, honestly... The pessimist in me has gotten angry and sad that we are so excited about these things. I think that excitement shows just how desperate we are for inclusion, how desperate we are to simply be acknowledged. Even with what the Pope said, he didn't condone same-sex marriage, he condoned civil unions. So he's saying that the LGBTQ plus community shouldn't be pushed away or hurt, and yeah, I can get down with that. But he is promoting a separate but equal idea. Something I just cannot get behind. Basically, he's saying, let's discriminate less. <laughs> but that's still discrimination. I just wish we lived in a world where inclusion wasn't shocking. Like, imagine entering a church and feeling equal. Not separate, but just equal ready to hear prayers and rituals from the altar that include the LGBTQ plus community. Imagine not being surprised that there is a queer Hallmark movie, but just knowing that there will be multiple because it reflects the real world that we're in. And imagine entering the holidays knowing that you will not only be welcome, but uplifted by your family. True acceptance is to be included, and that means representation. Rabbi Denise Ager's book of prayers, rituals, essays, and history will be in synagogues around the world. In main world religions, we are taught straight-centric holidays, prayers, rituals, sacred days, but not LGBTQ plus inclusive ones. 
Imagine a child entering a place of worship, hearing LGBTQ plus affirming prayers, not wondering or questioning if the church is affirming, but knowing they are, knowing that they are in a place that loves and nurtures them. That's magical. And to all the amazing allies out there listening, yeah, I know you straight people listen to this too. It's not just the LGBTQ plus community that needs to hear this type of inclusive language. It is everybody. It is not just the LGBTQ plus community that needs to learn LGBTQ plus history. It is everybody. So be mindful of true inclusion and help to uplift marginalized people. It was really terrific getting to chat with Denise. Along with her book, we also talk about inclusivity, tolerance versus acceptance, seeking activism as a faith leader, and how to make our holidays more inclusive right now, but also year round. I so enjoyed our chat and I know you will too. Here is Rabbi Denise Ager, everyone. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, the leading provider of online counseling. Y'all, the world is crazy and mental health is important. Some might even call it spiritual. I personally use BetterHelp myself and absolutely love what they're doing. BetterHelp makes professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient. So if you're struggling emotionally, battling anxiety, or you can't stop crying after an episode of Queer Eye, BetterHelp can be there for you anytime, anywhere. Go to my personal link at BetterHelp help.com slash gay to check it out and get what? 10% off. The best part is you don't even have to leave your house. They offer four ways to speak with a licensed counselor, video calls, phone calls, real-time chat, and direct messaging. All counselors have been qualified and certified by their state's professional board. In other words, you're not talking to a lobster dressed in human clothes. They're legit. All you gotta do is go to my link at betterhelp.com slash blessed gay and begin the questionnaire to match you with a therapist who is uniquely qualified to serve your needs. How sexy. It's super duper easy and you're matched within 24 hours or less. BetterHelp has a monthly subscription rather than paying per session, which makes it cheaper. But if finances are still a concern, financial aid is available for those who qualify. Get counseling, improve your life, and help this podcast out in the process by going to betterhelp.com slash gay. Sign up today and get 10% off. That's betterhelp.com slash gay. Rabbi Denise Ager, welcome to Have a Blessed Gay. Well, I'm so excited to be here with you, Tyler, and all of your listeners. I am so excited to have you, and I just want to get into it. Tell us who you are and what the hell you do. <laughs> well, uh, thanks. I'm a, I'm a rabbi in Los Angeles, California, where I've been the rabbi for the queer community for over 30 years now. I'm the senior founding rabbi of Congregation Kolami, West Hollywood's Reform Synagogue. Um, and uh, I'm a past president of the Central Conference of American Rabbis, which is the world's largest international organization of uh, rabbis um, and the first gay person to do that. That is incredible. You and your congregation are part of Reform Judaism. For those who do not know, would you just explain what that means? Sure. Uh, Reform Judaism is the largest denomination of Judaism in North America. Uh, Reform Judaism is um, very progressive, very liberal, and has been out in front, if you will, on LGBTQ issues for many, 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 many decades now. Like many uh, religious faiths, you know, there was a time when uh, we had to hide and live in fear or couldn't be ordained as clergy. But uh, Reform Judaism really started in the, even in the 60s to have a learning and discussion around inclusion of LGBTQ people, the first gay congregation uh, synagogue filled with queer Jews uh, came into being in the early 70s out of uh, people that were meeting at the Metropolitan Community Church founded by Reverend Troy Perry, my good friend and teacher, um, helped to start a synagogue. And so 
Uh, there's been a movement of queer synagogues around the world. And eventually, many of these congregations join more mainstream denominations, including Reform Judaism. So uh, Reform Judaism started to ordain openly gay and lesbian people to clergy to be rabbis and cantors in 1990. And um, Today, there's no bar for trans folk, for gay folk, for non-binary folk uh, to be served uh, and be called, if you will, to be rabbis and or cantors. Those are clergy who sing, a music minister, if you will. And, um, you know, fully embracing and fully affirmative, not just tolerant, Tyler, but affirming of our queer Jewish lives. It's such an example showcasing how love over time, if consistent, can change the world. You can change the world. That is something that we Jews believe in. We believe in an idea called tikkun olam in Hebrew, healing or repairing the world of its cracks and of its brokenness. And um, we, I, we really have tried to do that around LGBTQ issues. I've worked my entire life on behalf of LGBTQ issues, both within my denomination of Reform Judaism, in the Jewish community at large, and, and in our world. I was a longtime marriage equality activist. I did the first wedding in California, legal wedding in 2008 on June 16th for the plaintiffs who sued in the state Supreme Court for marriage equality, uh, Robin Tyler and Diane Olson of blessed memory. So. You know, so so these advances, we, we do have setbacks. We will have setbacks. That's how politics goes. But we have to stay in it for the long haul so that all of our people, all of our LGBTQ plus people will know the fullness of living their whole lives just as God intended. You know, I find Judaism so fascinating and it feels different to me than other main world religions. And that's probably because of the cultural aspect. There is obviously the religious side, but then there's also this cultural side. So being Jewish and then practicing Judaism, there are these two parts. And when you began your journey to become a rabbi as a young person within the LGBTQ plus community, there were a lot of struggles that came along with that, a lot of obstacles. And I mean, obviously it worked out for you and you have made a ton of progress. But I am curious, why did you continue with the religious practice? What was going through young Denise's head? Right. Well, you know, I, I really named myself as a lesbian at 12. Like I always was, I was a tomboy. I was kind of classic, <laughs> right? Tomboy, G.I. Joes, not Barbie dolls, you know, all of that. Um, and kind of at 12, I read in a book the word lesbian and it kind of like just clicked. It was like this moment of re like almost a revelation, if you will. It's like, oh, that's who I am. That's, I like girls, you know? And then I spent the, all my teenage years trying to you know, repress and suppress that. Um, having grown up in the South, uh, in Memphis, Tennessee, not a safe place to be queer in the 70s, right? For me, uh, my Judaism was always a source of support and comfort. My family was, uh, no, I, they were religious, but they were liberal religious, right? It's, I don't want people to get the idea that everybody looked like Fiddler on the Roof, you know? Um, <laughs> that was, my family were very, very liberal, very, very progressive uh, people. And, um, you know, they were also very supportive. I, 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 my heart always breaks when I hear whether it's in the Jewish world or the Christian world that their people's families threw them out for being gay or for being out for being queer. And, and I, I'm very blessed. My parents were like that. They, um, they were loving and supportive. And I, I know that that gave me a leg up, if you will. But I, I'm also was, I, I mentioned I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, and, you know, Martin Luther King was murdered there. And it really does shape uh, so much of my growing up and because that march for civil rights and equality and 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 the push to recognize human dignity for African-Americans was a message that was just honed into me. My rabbi was the rabbi that had invited Dr. King to come to Memphis for the to help settle the sanitation strike for the sanitation workers who were largely African-American. And, you know, I remember those push about human dignity. And that's what I've always felt like we gate out lesbian, bisexual, trans, non-binary folk. We have to also fight for our recognition of our humanity. And I think that's what's fueled me. And my Judaism, I mean, obviously I was born Jewish. My family was very um, into the ceremonies and rituals of our, our heritage. 
those gave me comfort on the one hand, but also taught me a really strong lesson about this idea of human dignity, that everybody is created in God's image, but Selim Elohim, as we say in Hebrew. And, you know, why I just never made logic to me that gay people weren't any part, not part of that. So uh, I knew that I would be able to figure out how to continue to hone this integration of my gayness, my lesbianism and my Judaism. And I wasn't going, even though there were no role models, I wasn't going to take no for an answer. Mm. I mean, those civil rights, those social justice moments that you witnessed as a child did obviously so severely influence and impact you. You have been immensely involved in activism work your entire life. They imprinted. Yeah, they it really imprinted me. And, you know, and, and to take that same passion, Tyler, for LGBTQ rights has always been part of my 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 faith, if you will, you know, it's an expression of my Judaism to to fight for the underdog and to fight uh, for those that don't have. And the Torah teaches us to be to be um, mindful of the widow and the orphan and the children in society and the stranger in our midst. Why? Because those are people without power, without access. And if you have power and access, you have to fight for those that don't have it. And uh, this, that's true for LGBTQ people. Yes, it is. You have a new, beautiful book called Mishkan Ga'ava, Where Pride Dwells, a celebration of LGBTQ Jewish life and ritual. The Jewish faith is just so rich in ritual, something that I greatly admire about it. Yet many of the rituals and prayers are based in a gendered binary and a default of straight. However, you have created this wonderful book written and collected prayers and rituals that are not only inclusive, but celebratory. A really wonderful quote from the book is, our words express our theology. Uh, our words express our theology. It is just so simple. It is almost too simple, <laughs> but it is something that we rarely see. Would you talk more about that concept and why you were inspired to create this book? Yeah, thank you. I, I'm very proud of this really groundbreaking book. There is no other religious denomination that has published a book of queer prayers as a primary, as, as part of its primary liturgy. Do y'all hear that? That is so incredible. It's so incredible. Reformed Judaism, this is the, the CS Central Conference of American Rabbis Press, publishes all of the prayer books for Reformed Judaism. It shares a title with the other prayer reform prayer books, Mishkan, meaning tabernacle, which was what the Israelites built in the desert uh, as their portable worship space, if you will. And, and this book shares the title with all of our prayer books. So uh, that's how important it is in our denomination to center these center queer voices uh, and that we have a special prayer book that takes our life stories, our life moments to try and elevate them into what we do in Judaism in general. So, so, so for example, in this book, when a transgender person has their, maybe their first hormone shot, that should, that's a really important, holy moment in someone's life. It's the beginning of a new part of a journey. And, and in Judaism, whenever we begin a new part of a journey, there's a prayer, a blessing we say for that. So we created for, in this prayer book, a blessing to mark that really holy and sacred moment of transformation. Um, and we did that throughout the book on all kinds of things, um, things that would, as you said, center the voice of LGBTQ plus people, um, whether it's at the Friday night dinner table on the Sabbath. There's normally prayers that once a husband says to a wife, a wife says to a husband, what do you that's not what my family looks like. What do I say to my wife? What do how do I bless my children? Uh, if you're a non-binary person, what do you say? So we created a beautiful ceremonies and rituals that really reflect who we are and reflect our experiences as LGBTQ people for the Sabbath dinner table, for these important moments in our lives. I think that is such an important key to combine our day-to-day -day lives 
and our spiritual lives. It's something that you write about how the LGBTQ plus community often separates the two. And maybe that comes from being asked to separate the two. Maybe that comes from necessity because of safety or maybe fear. I mean, look, let's be honest. How much of the Bible has been used to hurt and 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 cause violence against LGBTQ people? So it's much. <laughs> so much in so many in so many traditions. It I will tell you. It's a misreading, a misunderstanding. They keep pointing to verses in Leviticus. It doesn't say what they say it says. Um, And they don't understand the context. So it's been misused traditionally. Um, But that said, that doesn't take away that I feel hurt by it or or that that it's been used to harm LGBTQ people and and be violent against them. So Judaism has uh, a long history of not separating our spiritual and our day-to-day. In fact, that is the call to live every day as a spiritual being and live a holy life. And how we do that is to take and be mindful. So when you bless, when you eat your meal, you say a blessing over the bread and over the food to help make a mindful moment of what you're doing, that it just didn't come to the table. There were people involved. Somebody had to grow it. Somebody had to prepare it to take that moment of Thanksgiving uh, and, and nourish the spirit, not just the body. So that's what this book tries to do is to not help us bifurcate our lives, but as LGBTQ people to live full, holy and integrated lives. And theologically, as you said, the Hebrew word for shalom, which you know is peace, is that is also connected to the word for wholeness. Mm. And so um, we want to live lives that are whole, W-H-O-L-E and holy, H-O-L-Y, um, that are filled with a sense of integration. We don't have to separate our queer self from our spiritual self, from our family part, from our work life. We could live, should live our life in fullness, all the beautiful parts of ourselves. And that's what this prayer book tries to do. This book of ritual and celebration is to encourage that and support that as well. Yeah. And just having that representation, the weight of that cannot be overstated. In the book, you say, I have worked not for tolerance, but for full acceptance, equality and equanimity. And tagging on to that, you also say inclusion involves more than being kind and making people feel welcome. Okay. Now, We are both from the South, so we both know exactly what that means. That line really hit me hard. Someone can simply allow a person to merely enter a space. Then somehow they feel they are therefore welcoming. And somehow welcoming then translates to being inclusive. But that is not always the case. Would you break down the difference between tolerance and acceptance, and then the difference between welcoming and true inclusion. Yeah, we, I mean, we have a lot of people that say they're tolerant, which means, uh, you know, you live your life and I live mine. I'm not going to interfere in yours and you don't interfere in mine. That's like separate but equal, maybe. We already know with Brown v. Board of Education that separate but equal is never equal, right? Yep. Uh, and and the same thing with just, um, with, with, with acceptance. Well, I'll accept you, but that that might be on the surface, but what does that really mean to truly accept somebody, to invite you into your home, to have you be part of your family without judgment or pain? And so when I say I want to work for full inclusion, that means my experience as a lesbian is is not just as valid. It, it's equal in every way. So the picture that you see of the happy Norman Rockwell family on a postcard of mom and dad around the Thanksgiving table, we're getting ready to celebrate the holidays. Why isn't the picture of my family with two women in our family and our children just as important and equal. That's how you know the difference. I shouldn't have to always look over my shoulder at this picture of the straight family as the ideal. My queer family should be the ideal as well, whether it's on a Hallmark card or in church or everywhere else in society. Um, It shouldn't be a unique to have someone elected mayor of a city who's a gay person. It should be, of course they can be a mayor. And that is 
really the difference. We have to get to a point in our society where it's not unusual for a gay person to be elected mayor or for a lesbian to be a rabbi or for a trans person to be elected to the state house, right? We just had a little kings through the elections, right? And there are such great gains by our LGBTQ um, politicians and, and folks, it, but it shouldn't be unique. It should be normative. And that is the goal. And you are normalizing LGBTQ language within prayers in this book. Prayer is such an interesting thing because it can be communal, it can be personal, and I would love to know, how do you approach prayer? For me, what is prayer? Prayer, um, prayer is also self-reflection. It's not just praying to something, a God on a throne, a man with a long beard on a throne. I, I don't believe that's what God is. Um, some people may, um, but for me, uh, uh, prayer is also an opportunity to reflect on who I am, where I missed the mark. <laughs> we all know, we, we all know, I don't think it's Jewish or Christian to know good from bad. Every, human beings know when they've done good. Human beings know when they've done bad, right? It's, um, I don't believe that God's this big Santa Claus checking off a list, naughty or nice, right? Um, we know, we know when we've missed the mark. And I think prayer is an opportunity to be reflective and how you want to reset your life and how you want to grow and how you want to help make the world a better place. So for me, all of those things are woven into my prayers. And in Judaism, we have both prayers that are fixed, traditional prayers handed down around certain themes, revelation, redemption. And then we have inspired prayers, like the words that just come up from your heart and your soul. You know, so we're, we, we're lucky that way. We have both a received tradition and, and the inspired prayer. And Mishkan Gava, this book of collection, is kind of uh, taking some of those ancient themes and putting this into new language and into our lives. Um, so it's, it's a little bit of both the fixed tradition and the inspired words um, through the LGBTQ lens as the main focus. You know, that is something that I am kind of envious about as an adult. In the Christian church I grew up in, we just didn't have rituals in the same way most synagogues do. Uh, I mean, we had things that we did every Sunday, but to call them a ritual or a tradition, I, I think is a little bit of a reach. And when I was first introduced to rituals and other types of denominations and traditions and faiths, I was I was kind of confused why people did them, just because it did feel so foreign to me. And it wasn't until I was older as a teenager when I started to experiment with other faiths and other types of traditions and, and just people that I really began to understand rituals and, and traditions and what that could mean as a community, but what that can also mean just personally, personal rituals. And now in my life, I have adopted so many personal rituals that I absolutely love and, and would hate to be without. And I think that rituals can really enhance our everyday lives. They can, and they help us, they help rituals help us mark time right? The passage of time and sacred moments in our lives. Rituals help us transition from one to the other. I mean, what are, why are weddings so important? It's not just the legal mumble jumbo. Uh, and that's important. Listen, we fought really hard for that legal mumble jumbo, <laughs> right? And, um, and, and protections and, and inheritance and protections and of our spouses. But the, the, the ceremony part is also really actually important to help us think about ourselves from being singles to being a family, because that's what a wedding does, is make the two individuals who are not related to each other, blood, blood, next of kin, family, not just a couple, they're a family. <laughs> Families come in all shapes and sizes, not only with kids. So, um, so that's the ritual of that, how that's going to look. And every tradition has different ones, you know, an African American tradition is jumping the broom. And, um, you know, that's not, that's not necessarily a religious tradition, but that is an ethnic cultural tradition. You know, in Judaism, we get married under what is known as a chuppah, a wedding canopy, a symbol of the home that this family is going to build together. Other traditions have a joint unity candle where they take two separate flames and, you know, uh, in Orthodox Christianity, they put on crowns, 
these crowns of flowers, you know, because they're they're the the royalty. These these help us transform these moments into just mundane paper signing into something that's sacred. Um, and so I think th- I think that's what's really important. And I think a lot of times in our secular society. Uh, we've kind of brush over that, you know, as people become more secular and move away from going to church or synagogue or their mosque or whatever uh, into this kind of multi-glot America, uh, we've, we've lose some of our, these rituals that help us, that really can help us, whether it's for mourning or grieving uh, or, or for celebration. We are entering the holidays, as you mentioned, and I think this book is going to be really special to a lot of people during the holidays specifically for those within the LGBTQ plus community who will be with family during the holidays, a family who might have the majority that identify as straight. How would you suggest that they incorporate these prayers, these rituals, these new kinds of traditions to where they are included and in part of their family during the holidays. Right. I mean, look, it's no uh, secret that it's uh, always hard to go home, go home, whatever that means uh, for the holidays, wherever that is, you know, this year, particularly even harder as we're in a pandemic, right? Uh, What is that going to look like for some families? It'll be Zoom Thanksgiving or Zoom Christmas. Um, Yeah. (laughs) uh, For others, there'll be, you know, in the backyard with the mask on, it won't be the same. So there's a lot of loss around that. But I want to share with you, if I could tell you, there's a prayer here that we wrote a prayer for introducing my partner to my family. Mm, yes. I mean, how many times is it like, oh no, this is the first Thanksgiving. I'm going to, you know, they know we're gay. We know I have a boyfriend, but I'm uh, <laughs> not, I, this is going to be the first time we're going to be doing Thanksgiving. Like, with my siblings and the nieces and nephews, like it's hard, right? It's, it's hard. Scary. Like what? So, so there's a prayer here. This isn't a prayer you say with that family. It's a prayer for you that you say. So it says, help me find the mental strength and courage to tell my family about my significant other. Help me overcome my fear, anxiety, and stress. Something that should be joyous and exciting is accompanied by fear. May I find the confidence and strength to overcome the obstacle before me, to speak my truth, and to love freely. May this be another step on my journey toward the acceptance of my love. Blessed are you, God, sovereign of the universe, who created me in the image of God. Mm. Written by a 20-year-old person um, who sadly didn't feel like they could put their name on the prayer still. We're so scared of that their family finding out. Um, it's in the book as anonymous. Mm, that hurts my heart. Right. So there's still work to be done, right? We still have as much as, you know, like as out as I am, right? I don't think it could be any more out. You know, but the truth is I, I still have to come out sometimes. I, you know, I had a horrible thing happen a few months ago uh, with a, with a vendor. I was refinancing my house and the, somebody was helping with the paperwork. It was like, so what does your husband do? I said, uh, excuse me, I don't have a husband. You know, it's all over the paperwork. My wife's name's all over the paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> like, hello. So you, you know, we always have to. You know, you can. Doesn't matter what age. We're always having to come out. It's not to some way in some things. On the other hand, we have to be strong enough internally and centered enough, and get our God strength inside, if you will, to help us uh, be who we want to be. And so this is, I just think it's a beautiful prayer to think about how we center ourselves to have the strength and the positivity that you are who God made you to be, that God loves you exactly as you are. And even though we often try to seek approval from our families, you don't need their approval to function in the world and to live a full life. Mm. And to know that God is blessing you each and every day. And I hope that all your listeners, as they go into the holiday seasons, which can be so hard for for us, uh, made harder by this pandemic, to know how much they are loved by the spirit of the universe that not only is without them, but within them and will give them the strength that they need if they only call upon it to face um, whatever is coming their way. What a beautiful prayer and and just a great way to center yourself, to be mindful and present. You know, even to this day with all the stuff that I've gone through with my family, if I were to meet them 
tonight, like if I were to go to a big family function tonight, I would be freaking out about a lot of things. Uh, thinking about is is my voice too high, or or the subject matter that I bring up, or my clothes is a big one actually. Like is is this outfit too gay? Is it not gay enough? Should I try to push it a little bit more? You know, it just it's really really insane the things that I think to myself still to this day and how self-conscious I still am well there's a lot of judgment there's a lot of judgment right and the key is is not to get caught up in their judgment um and, and just be yourself that's the most important thing the most important thing is to be yourself always be true to yourself always be true to yourself uh, and speak your truth, because if you're busy trying to cons- make some construct or cons- something that's not authentic, th- people are going to see through that. I really believe that uh, there are a lot of judgmental people in the world, sadly, but we can't stop living because of their judgments. That's on them, not on us. That's how I. I agree a hundred percent. What are you doing for the holidays this year? Do you have your holiday plans? We do. We do. We have, you know, we're, um, we're, I'm excited about Thanksgiving. I haven't seen my son in months. He lives in Dallas. He's working stiff like the rest of us. So I think, I think he and his significant other are coming and we're going to do backyard Thanksgiving, you know, with Max masks on. And then Hanukkah comes early this December. Um, starts the Thursday night, December 10th. So we have something every night planned for our congregation online. We'll be lighting candles streaming online. So if you, uh, somebody would like to light Hanukkah candles, we'll be, we're at 5.30 Pacific uh, time every night of Hanukkah online from Congregation Kola Me in West Hollywood. Uh, we're on Facebook Live and uh, streaming on our website at kol-ami.org, kol-ami.org, or our YouTube channel. And you can sing along and light candles with us each of the nights of Hanukkah. Uh, as well as some great programs. So we're we're looking forward to a bright, uh, shiny uh, holiday season uh, that's filled with fun. That is so beautiful. I want to ask you, would you please bless us with one of your prayers from your book or just a favorite of yours outside of the book, just whichever Absolutely. whichever you would prefer. I, I do want to, I want to share, uh, besides the one I read to you about the blessing before introducing your, your loved one to your family, I want, well, this is one of my favorites. It's uh, on page 29 of Where Pride Dwells. It's a blessing for my LGBTQ ancestors. Mm. Uh, this is always one um, written by a, a, a rabbinical student named Dave Deed, And I, I want to, um, it's such an important prayer because it's really also talks about our history. And um, I think a lot of LGBTQ people don't know our queer history. It's so important and has informed so much. And we can learn so much from, um, from that history to, to help continue to uh, secure our equality and our rights as well as inspire us. So here's his prayer. You who fought to love, you who prayed to the same God I do, you who insisted on your dignity even when the world said you had none, you who died of AIDS while fighting for a cure so that people like me might live, you who were shot in a massacre while on the dance floor, you who could not come out and held your secret until your dying day, you who were insulted, shamed, beaten, and brutalized, yet kept walking, you who contributed your fierceness, your originality, your art, and your voice to the world, I walk in your memory, I walk this path smooth and chartered by your sacrifice towards justice, towards holiness, and towards freedom. Blessed are you, Adonai, Sarah's helper and Abraham's shield. Oh, you got me. You got me teary-eyed. You know, I I think even as a person who, who does not claim Judaism, I think it's really important to know our history. We just gotta, we just, we gotta, gotta know our history. And and I, I thought that I did know a lot of the history between Judaism and the LGBTQ plus community. But as I was reading your book, I realized that there is a lot I did not know. And, and that is probably one of the elements I enjoyed actually most about the book was 
the history element. Yes, it's a beautiful prayer book filled with rituals, but it is also filled with history, kind of like you would learn during a a straight service where they say a prayer and then they talk about the ancestor, the person that it is associated with or the the event that it's associated with. And and so you, you learn this history, you learn this knowledge, but you just don't get that as a gay person. You just don't get it. And so, and so to have that in the book, to incorporate it in that way is really amazing. And it, it just kind of makes me think like, what if I had grown up in an environment like that, where I heard that in church, what would that have done? How would that have impacted me? How would that have elevated my life? Well, like, I think one of the things that, well, you know, we've kind of focused this today a little bit about the personal prayer side that I, that I shared with you, uh, half of the book is really about the queer holiday cycle. And what do I mean by that? You know, we in our LGBTQ world have gay pride, national coming out day, lesbian visibility, Day, transgender day of remembrance, you know, world days Day. these are like sacred times in our queer year. And so half of the book is also prayers and essays and reflections for those sacred times in our queer calendar. Um, like, what's the right prayer for pride? What's the right, you know, like in, in many synagogues and in many churches today, they do a pride Sabbath or a pride service on Sunday morning. So there's things in here, whether you're Jewish or not, that you could use to celebrate in your community gay pride, LGBTQ pride. Uh, Transgender Day of Remembrance is a really good example. Uh, a day of, of remembering those who've been viciously murdered. Um because they were trans, um, started a, a number of years ago. But um, what's what's a way that we ritualize and mark and observe that really important day in the calendar? Um, and so there's many of these came from, you know, prayers that I had written for interfaith services through the years, for LGBTQ uh, things, for National Coming Out Day. Um, I was involved in one of the very first National Coming Out Day services. So there's a lot of uh, opportunities in here to reflect on our queer year and uh, things that you might use. There's some incredible essays uh, for Evan Wolfson, who was one of the architects of marriage equality, uh, the one of the lawyers on the case, uh, Bruce Valanche, a great comedian, a great the, one of our great funny men and Broadway star, wrote a reflection about uh, being Jewish and gay here in the book. Uh, Robin Tyler, also one of the uh, first lesbian comedians uh, on television and one of the plaintiffs in the California marriage equality case. Uh, wrote a reflection about being lesbian and Jewish. So there's some great things in here by uh, Jewish LGBTQ um, important people in our community and and their take on things. So uh, it's a really interesting way to talk about prayers and holidays and, and also some essays as well, as you say, learning about our history. Yeah. I mean, even if you are not Jewish, I highly, highly recommend the book. And if you are Jewish and you are seeking prayer, seeking ritual that actually includes you. You are seeking to feel whole and holy, as as you said earlier. I think this is just a really tremendous book. And during the holidays right now, I think it might even be that much more special. So where can people find this amazing book? Well, thank you. It's been such an honor to talk with you and all your listeners. Uh, they can get Where Pride Dwells. And even if they just type in, not the Hebrew name, but Where Pride Dwells at Amazon, uh, you can get it. It's on Kindle. It's uh, in, in soft cover. Uh, makes a great holiday gift if you want to inspire. And it, there's also prayers and reflections in here from our allies uh, for for parents who uh, who need support uh, as they struggle with our our as they struggle with our lives, not that we should struggle, but uh, but uh, might find support for them as well in here too. And where can people find you and keep up with your work? Oh, uh, please! I hope they do. Of course, uh, I'm the, as I said, I'm the rabbi at Congregation Kolomi, West Hollywood's Reform Synagogue. So they can uh, reach me there at kol-ami.org. You can follow me on Twitter at Denise Eger, D-E-N-I-S-E-E-G-E-R, or um, on my blog spot, uh, rabbieager.com, uh, where I often write reflections and uh, musings uh, on LGBTQ matters and more. 
amazing. I know a lot of people will be checking you and your work out. And I just want to say that I think the world of you, I, I, I think you are such an example of what a faith leader can be, uh, what a faith leader should be. You are so inspirational, and I really thank you for taking the time to chat with me. And I hope you enjoy your holidays. I wish you a wonderful holiday season, too, and many blessings, Tyler, for all the great work you're doing to help further the voice of LGBTQ plus people. It's really, really, truly a blessing. I really hope this inspires you to seek inclusion. If you have the ability, don't accept defaults. Everyone deserves to hear themselves in prayer, to be a part of rituals and traditions. And if you don't have any, create some. Read this book, get inspired, as I obviously am from this wonderful discussion. Here are my main takeaways. Number one. Our words express our theology. You can apply this to so many things. What we say, what we do, who we are. Does all of that express our theology? Number two, we do not have to separate our daily lives from our spiritual lives. They are one. Seek to be whole, to be holy. Number three, Queer politicians, gay Hallmark movies, trans pop stars, lesbian rabbis, inclusive prayers should not be unique. They should be normal. And that is what we are working toward. Number four, inclusion involves more than being kind and making people feel welcome. True inclusion, true acceptance is representation. Remember that. Number five. You are loved by the spirit of the universe that lives outside of you and within you. Number six, as we approach the holidays, be mindful, center yourself, be good to yourself, breathe, and just be true to you. I have posted links in the show notes for Rabbi Eger. Please do check her out and her work. And definitely show this podcast some love by following, subscribing, and leaving a review. I will greatly appreciate it. And as always, feel free to reach out to me. I absolutely love hearing from you. You can reach me at the email in the show notes or DM me on social media at Have a Blessed Gay on all the platforms. Now, because this content is heavy at times, you might not be able to laugh it off. And if you are struggling and you're having a hard time, I always post helplines in the show notes. So please do check them out if you need to. But just remember this, you are special, you are purposeful, and you are fucking beautiful. Have a blessed day, y'all.